Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. You know, as much as we have uh, certainly made fun of the Toronto Maple Leafs, or I've been calling them Fredo every time they lose, and now I say they're certainly in the boat like Fredo was and the uh, Panthers have the gun to the back of their head. Um, it's, it's incredibly tough, I think, in any sport to win a playoff. Uh, you know, you've got to have luck after luck. Lady luck has to be shining on you a lot. Mm-hmm. And the Leafs... The, supposedly the better team. Uh, bookies were calling them. Vegas was calling them to be Stanley Cup favorites. Lady Luck has simply just been shining on the Panthers more than the Toronto Maple Leafs. The shame of that is Lady Luck won't save Sheldon Keith's job or Kyle Dubas's job. And they can sit, if this ends on Wednesday, they can sit and hum and haw all they want. It's They cannot seem to catch a break in this series. Yeah, it's it's uh well, well they're in the business of winning, mm-hmm. right? And and uh, any coach will tell you you're you're hired to be fired. It is not a lifetime type position, and it's very difficult. Yeah, there's not many Scotty Bowmans. No, it's very difficult to win in that uh, in that realm as well. And and we're seeing that now. You know, is it luck? Yeah, karma could be mm-hmm. playing a role in the sense that. You know, you remember after that Tampa series, you know, 5,000 Maple Leafs fans in Maple Leaf Square screaming, we want Florida. Right. Because they thought Florida was going to be the easier track than Boston. Mm-hmm. Well, careful what you wish for because you got Florida and now you're screwed. Um, you know, in all of NHL history, four times has a team come down back from a 3 nothing lead. That's How many that's times? Four. Wow. That's the... The, the the crux of where you are now. It's like 190 wins and four losses for teams who have a 3 nothing lead. So, okay, if they win Wednesday, which I believe they will, because as you've said many times, it's incredibly tough to knock a team out, and especially being down 3 nothing, The Leafs don't want to be that embarrassed. Um, but if they were lucky enough to win one and then two, is pressure still switches. the Panthers? Pressure switches at that point. Okay. All right? Now, listen. Three, that, to me, applies around 3-1. Three, three, 3-0 is a little bit different because it all depends on the pride that the Leafs have in their room. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think John Tavares is a good leader. He'll be one who, who rallies this team together and say, we're not losing in force. We're not getting swept mm-hmm. uh, in the second round. We finally made the second round. We're not getting swept in the second round. That's embarrassing. Um, but you, you find it in some uh, teams and in some leagues where they get down 3 nothing. they say, well, what's the point? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and there, there's an internal give-in. Happens a bit in junior sometimes because when their season's done, they can go on and play elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you'll see, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll see a team get swept that you never expected it to, and then three or four players that were already signed are going to make money and play in the AHL. That doesn't happen here. The mm-hmm. season is done. The year is over should they lose this. But the second, you know, that a team starts to crawl back, that's when momentum starts to shift. And you've seen it the other way. You know, with the Leafs having three one leads on teams, right? And then when you 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 lose, you feel safe for a second. And then when you lose that three one game, and it becomes three two, like against Tampa, all of a sudden you're thinking, oh God, we can't lose this one because we don't want to go to Game Seven. 
Yeah, and look, it's even worse, I think, because of where the Leafs currently are. 19 years before they won a first round, now they're in the second. Dubas went out of his way to really try to build this for a playoff run. I don't know if the Panthers made the same moves for a playoff run or if they're one of those teams that were kind of in limbo and now they're just having a, a great experience. Uh, I'll go back to, you know, what was it, uh Late March, March 29th, something like that, was the Panthers in Toronto. Right. Where that game, Panthers were down, one nothing, and Paul Maurice screamed at his team. No, they didn't make a lot of moves. They made moves last year. Remember the Panthers last year were the President's Cup trophy winners. Best right. team in the regular season, and then they got knocked out in the playoffs. They changed their coach. Right? They fired their coach. And they and they completely switched around their team. They added Matthew Kachuk and traded him for Jonathan Huberdeau. And they thought, well, you know, a lot of people thought, well, that was a questionable move to be made. Huberdeau was a big part of that team. Well, it turns out they made a pretty good move there. And when you come to the 19 number, I think it's interesting that, you know, yes, 19 years since the Maple Leafs had made the second round. Mm. Yesterday was the 19th day of the playoffs. Wow. <laughs> they basically ended their Wow. Stretch right there. Now, uh, the team is stacked with talent. So is it the team's fault or is it coaching? Uh, Dubas did what he had to do, brought in guys. So his job is kind of done. Now it's all on Sheldon Keefe. Is he the problem? I think it's all three. All right. To be honest, it, it, it starts with, well, now you're seeing an exposing of goaltending. And that was the issue of Kyle Dubas, right? He brought in Matt Murray. He stuck with a guy he knew. They had a Sault Ste. Marie connection. They they went with that. Matt Murray, with a history of being injured, what does he do? Gets injured, right? And the Leafs, you know, had an opportunity to make moves at the trade deadline, perhaps. It would have cost them pieces of the future. They didn't want to do that. I understand that. But at the same time, now you're in a goaltending struggle. Uh, for the coaching staff, you know, Sid Sixero made a great point last week, and, and I have to give him credit for it because I haven't thought of it this way. But, you know, they were talking about uh, finding line combinations that work. Mm. And and he said, well, it's May. You should have your line combinations down right. by May. That might be an excuse for a team in October that, hey, we're still feeling out the process. Give it a couple of weeks after a trade deadline when you add some new players just to figure out what, what toys you have. But by now, you should know whether or not you want to play Matthews with Marner or Matthews with Nylander or Matthews with Tavares, whatever the hell you're doing. Right. This is not a time to be experimenting with line combinations. You should know this by now. And for the players themselves, well, the top four, when you look at Matthews, Marner, Tavares, and Nylander, are not performing up to, up to snuff here. You know, when you, when you dump, what, $30 million mm. or more, uh, almost $40 million into four guys, they got to be scoring goals. So in your Leaf heart, you'd like to see them go, and probably in your Leaf heart, you believe they still can. But in your hockey head, what do you think happens here? It's over. On uh, Sunday in the morning and into the early afternoon, I was able to get outside and finally cut the grass, a little break from the rain and uh, do some uh, stuff around the outside of the house, cleaning up in the backyard. And uh, this is another sign that I'm completely out of shape. I'm literally using, I have a leaf uh, blower and vacuum. Right, And yes. so I'm using it around uh, the backyard to clean up. But we've got this one tree from uh, the winter that's kind of bent over. It needs to be pushed back up. Well, the weight of the snow and windstorms and such. Right. So 
I'm, like a I, cedar, like a hedge kind of. No, thing? no, uh, it's it's a uh, it's like a it's a thorny, horrible bush. Right. I, I want it gone, but the lovely Maria likes it, so I guess it's staying. <laughs> Anyhow, the weight of it is leaning qu- qu- uh, quite a bit over. So as I'm cleaning, uh, using the uh, the blower. I, I got to kind of bend and twist to get around this thing. So I bent and twisted, I don't know, three, four, five times. Came up one time, my whole right bottom part of my back pulling right down into my leg. Yeah. So I went inside, took a couple of pain pills for my back with a vodka water. <laughs> and then officially announced, I'm done for the day. Right. Yeah. So it is the time of year. And it looks like this week, uh, leading uh, right through the next weekend, this is the time to get the patio furniture out and get stuff situated. I, uh, I got the grass done on the weekend. Nice. And I started the battle with the dandelions. So what do you do with them? Do you uh, pull them? I was pulling. Wow. See, I don't. I just spray. Yeah, the problem with the dog is you can't just spray and uh, and use the, the nasty stuff. Well, the dog out there, right? Yeah, but isn't there some animal-friendly products? There must Probably, be. Probably, but they don't come in the, the mass batches right. and spray as easily. Right. A lot of these things, like, it gives you, like, a, a, a squeeze-trigger thing where you've got to keep continually squeezing the thing. Yeah. And by the end of, like... Your arm's sore. Your arm is dead. <laughs> You're as out of shape as I am. <laughs> well, no one's ready to grip like this, like, right. you know, constantly, unless you're got a happy trigger finger the whole time. Well, even using my uh, weed whacker as I was going around and uh, cleaning up with the trimmer after I cut the grass, because I've got, you know, boulevards to deal with, my, both of my arms were incredibly sore from holding in right. the, the trigger button and the... Well, it's funny, because I, I normally just mow right over them. Like, mm. I could care less. It's, it's a losing battle. With the dandelions? With the dandelions. See, I'm obsessed with getting rid of them, though. Well, they drive me crazy. <laughs> and so I was, I was you know, getting everything ready, ready to mow, and Adrian's like, well, I, I'd like to pick some of the dandelions first so you don't just mow and spread them. I'm mm. like, well, what, does it really matter? Look around mm-hmm. to the lawns, left, right, behind, and in front. It doesn't matter. Covered in dandelions. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And so there we are, out there, hands and knees. and you Wow. Because well, I started with this. we got this, like, stand-up dandelion puller thing. It takes big chunks out of the ground, uh, though. Well, which is fine. That, I guess, technically aerates the ground. But the problem is... It, like one out of every five times is actually pulled. I know you everything on the roots, right? Yeah. And so, uh, so I said, you know, and you're bent over doing this. I think might as well just lie down on the grass and, and, <laughs> and pulling one every now and then. And we fill the brown bag. I don't even know if, what, like if they're gonna take it away because wow. it's so bloody heavy. With all the dandelions. You oh pull. yeah. And and you know, next morning you wake up and it's like you did nothing. Yeah. All all the ones you missed are right back out in bloom, laughing at you. They taunt you for sure. Well, I feel really bad for a couple of my neighbors because I've got two homes that look like they're basically abandoned in my neighborhood. Oh no. But and and the one house near me. The neighbor really does a good job of keeping their property clean. Right. But this house beside them was up for sale, and the new owners have not taken possession yet. Or they have. I think I saw them moving some stuff in. But the lawn is just a disaster. So it's just full of dandelions. So, of right. course, you can't. You, it doesn't matter what you do. They're going to seed yeah. uh, everywhere around them because the wind takes them, and, and that's it. We've got one neighbor that's kind of like that. The house is just, it's never kept. Yeah. And they've, it, the lawn looks now it, like they've just let it go to fescue. <laughs> like, <laughs> it really is. If I dropped a golf ball in it, I'm not finding it. 
I tell you, you, you got to try all sorts of different things. You never know what will take off. There's some guy on Twitter who's got quite a following because he reviews food in his shower. What? Yes. He, uh, he's got a ton of followers. Um, he calls himself the gazpacho machine, or gaz for short. And he says he started eating while showering in an attempt to cure hangovers. It worked, so he began doing it regularly. His friends found it funny, so he started sharing his meals and later reviews on Twitter. And he's got quite the following. The foods he's eaten in the shower include steak, pineapple, KFC, and a Philly cheesesteak. <laughs> he says not everything is a good experience. He dropped a plate of Indian food and some tacos slipped out of his hand. That's not good. Yeah, he's got to do like Kramer and put a carburetor in his shower. Yeah. One food he doesn't like eating in the shower is seafood. He says you'd think seafood in a wet environment would be a natural fit, but the smell is not too pleasant combined with the steam, shampoo, and soap. Right, gotcha. So I guess it's a good, like I haven't seen him. I'll have to go look him on uh, look him up on Twitter. But does he have like he can't have like plates and cups? Is he eating just steak out of his hand? No, he's probably full on eating a plate. Like he he has a plate. Maybe he's cut up. He's got a fork in a in one hand, plate in the other. Maybe maybe he's got some sort of he's built maybe some sort of little stand in front of him that he right. can put the plate. It's just a it, figure, eh? Too hard a world to navigate the yeah. online world because you know out there are people who are legitimately trying to solve world problems mm-hmm. and have a uh, a dialogue about it in a very in depth <laughs> uh, either blog or YouTube channel or podcast, and they can't seem to find a following for it. No. And then this hits. Yeah, you know, you're right. We could spend months dreaming up something that we think is brilliant. And all you have to do is really do is share photos of your poops. (laughs) Now, is Twitter a revenue generator, though? Can you make money having a lot of Twitter followers? It's not like Instagram or um, uh, TikTok. Right. right, it's not. You can't make money off of Twitter, can no, you? No, but I think you can. You can. Uh, you can direct things to other revenue streams. No, okay. Doing it. Yeah, I mean, uh, massive followings on things and on any social media will eventually lead to cash for. If we had the um, drive or the energy, I really think my hitting pins and draining tins would be a great podcast. Where right. you and I, because you're a great golfer and you know the game, and I know nothing. So I'd be basically draining tins, mm. and we could try to get professional golfers, and we'd go into a podcast with them where we just, kind of like the Bill Maher thing, right. where we just gab with them about golf, but drink while we're doing it. Right. And then I would just ask asinine questions. <laughs> it, it's, it's much, I guess it's a bit of a steal off of Smartless, right? Where yeah. Sean Hayes doesn't really know. He's always kind of asking very lame, generic questions. And you could do the in-depth stuff, and I'd just be the clown. Here's the problem. And, and I dealt with this uh, when I was teaching uh, in, in radio for a little about a minute there. And then, you know, a lot of people come along and say, oh, I want to start a, a podcast. Mm. a great idea for it. And I would say to them, the problem with it is you got to... Most people who have a successful podcast are famous before they have that podcast. It does help, right? Yeah. You know, 
You, a lot of people, the Smartless podcast, if you don't know it, is uh, with Jason Bateman. Yep. Right? Sean Hayes. Sean Hayes. And, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the yeah, other guy. Yeah, The guy does... You know, Arrested Development. Yeah. Is, yeah. He does all the voicing for just about everything right now, Will Arnett. Right, um, there you go. He's a Toronto boy. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, he's he's got like every voice gig and commercial yeah, he does like, well. possible right now. Uh, and and so yeah, they're all three famous to begin with, and yeah. they get their famous friends on, and one of them books the guest. Yeah, the other two don't know about it. But you know all the golfers. You're intimate with all of the professionals, <laughs> right? <laughs> and we're a semi. I mean, we're not Will Arnett and Jason Bateman, uh, but we're on the scale. We're about a W and from the, the A to Z. And in the golf world, we are double Z. <laughs> uh, and, and 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 therein lies the problem, right? And and there, there are other, very many other golf podcasts. Colt Nost, who does the coverage on the PGA Tour, has his own podcast. But ours would be better. Right. Well, <laughs> so we would think. And, and, and it's interesting because, you know, as I now get, pay closer attention to, you know, NHL teams, mm-hmm. each one of them has about 50 podcasts that are associated with it run by fans who want to have a podcast just talking about the team. Mm-hmm. And I've listened to some of them, and I would rather <laughs> give up on this conversation right now <laughs> than have to listen to another second But ours it. would be good. <laughs> I think ours would be good. I'm sure they all started out thinking that. And I believe hitting pins <laughs> and crushing tins is a great name for a golf podcast. My only belief is, yeah, I, I listen, I agree with you 100%. It's very tough. The other thing, too, with the sports world, from what I've seen, is very tough to get any of these guys to open up and right. share stories, especially with two dudes they don't even know. Yeah. I mean, that that whole podcast would begin and end with John Daly. <laughs> <laughs> He's the first guy you want to get. Yeah. Yeah. After that, it'll all go downhill. And and if we were to do it, honestly, because golf is your world, I'd put it in your hands to book the guest, and we know how you operate. <laughs> Everything is tomorrow and the next day. Oh, I'll get around to it, Craig. We'll book somebody. <laughs> Eventually, Evan would be married with children by the time we landed our first guest. Whatever. Evan would be so disinterested in the first guest anyway. (laughs) I'd be hammered. (laughs) I'd be crushing tins. That's what would make it fun. Do you think you're uh, drinking enough water every day? The uh, general rule for a very long time has been eight by eight, meaning eight ounces of water eight times a day. Eight cups. Eight ounces of water, eight cups a day. Wow. Um, but now doctors are saying because, and they've been doing this research for a very long time, but, you know, water is so crazy important to our bodies. As a matter of fact, it is said about 80% of our body is basically water. Our brain is a lot of water. Our heart contains a lot of water. Our livers, are all our major organs operate with water it, uh, it 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 gets rid of waste it does all sorts of hugely important things so much so i was just reading this article over the weekend that you can go up to three weeks without food and survive you can't go past three days without water mm. and surviving and so now doctors are saying you should be putting back about 125 ounces a day which is about 15 cups of water holy crap now i was kind of doing the math and i'm around six i'm at about six cups a day so i'm even short of the eight so i got a long way to go right 15 
No, I'm definitely not drinking enough water. Yeah. Uh, and and I drink more, um, like, uh, more water, I guess not fruit juices mm. uh, necessarily. I, I drink a lot of, like, things like uh, like Gatorade or BioSteel. The like, problem is there's a lot of sodium in that stuff. Uh, not as much. Uh, it, it's, cut, it's cut back. But I was just looking at a bottle of Gatorade this morning. Funny enough, that's why I mentioned this. It was 13% sodium. Yeah, it depends on if you go with the pure Gatorade or the Gatorade Zero right. kind of blend. I, I tend to use the powders, which is more water-based. Right. And I water them down just I you know just to have a little bit of flavor. Right. Flavored water is basically what I'm drinking. Right. But I drink more of that. But there will be times where I'll in the middle of the day I'll be like, man... I don't think I've had something to drink yet. Mm. It's like sometimes I'll eat a meal and not drink. While really? I'm, uh, yeah, have my lunch. And like ah, I don't feel like getting you, up. You don't need something to wash it down. You don't get a dry mouth from the food. No, not always. Huh? My problem the gravy is helps. The what? The gravy. Well, that's a, like water. <laughs> I uh, my problem is I drink a lot of water here during the morning, or as much as I can consume, and as much as I can get, you know, and remember to do it. But then as the day progresses, I, I totally stop drinking it. Right. Yeah, and then I'm into the wine, which I should be drinking more water then because, of course, alcohol dehydrates you. Right. So everything I put into my body in the morning that's good, I've ruined in the evening. I was going to say, for those in line at the Timmy's right now, the coffee doesn't count as your water no, for the day. It does or not. Tea. No. We've, we really got to. And I remember saying this to my mom. And listen, uh, you know, the way she passed away was hugely based on the fact that she was dehydrated because your major organs just can't keep going, mm -hmm. you know. So get the damn water in you. A lot of it. All right. Fifteen cups a day. Oh, man. Let's start right now. Just sit on the toilet all day let's, long. Let's just see. We should try a little challenge. Let's even try it today. Just go. See if you can get 15 cups of water into you today. I'll try it as well. Now, I started with a bubbly, which is a carbonated water. No sugar, no sodium. Right. Uh, so I've got my protein shake. Uh, it's not water. It's water-based. Uh, no. No, water. Pure water. Oh, my Let's goodness. try it. Let's see if we can do it. I will explode. <laughs> I don't want to complain, but the uh, sun is shining right into my yeah, eyes don't here. Complain about I'm that. having trouble seeing the, uh, the controls, but I'm not one to complain. Right. All right. A man who likes to complain. <laughs> <laughs> Ted Reader, the godfather of the grill. Good morning, Ted. Yes, I got a complaint. Those billboards, those billboards, I'm telling you, that are around the city. It's just crazy up right. there. It's all too much. It's all too much. Teddy, how nine, are you? Four, nine, the Rock. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Getting ready to open the joint this Thursday, wow. May 5th. It could May, be. No, what is May 11th? May 11th. That's yeah. right. It couldn't be a better week for it. I mean, you're supposed to be up around 23 and sunny by Thursday. So perfect. Oh, great. Great, yeah. I can take the long underwear off then. <laughs> <laughs> so the joint will get going this Thursday up at uh, El Dorado Golf Course. We're going to have the uh, live music over the weekend again. Uh, that'll be starting up, I would assume. And what uh, I'm hoping so, Friday night, okay. live at the joint. And, yeah. of course, the centerpiece of the joint is Ted Reader and his grill and uh, barbecuing and charcoal grilling, open fire uh, grilling. What What's going to be some of the highlights of the menu this year, Teddy? Well, we're we're changing things up. So we've got uh, we've we've pulled our burger station and we've put it outside, and we have a live fire uh, table that we're cooking all our burgers and chicken sandwiches on outside on the patio uh, beside our pizza oven, 
And then we've got our uh, our smoked brisket and ribs and chicken and pork uh, all coming from inside the kitchen. And so we've got lots of stuff going on. Uh, new pits, lots of wood, lots of smoke, lots of fun. Um, golf course is up and running at El Dorado. It's looking pretty sweet. And uh, we've got a new uh, nine-hole putting green that the uh, the grass is starting to grow on. So hopefully in the next few weeks we'll be able to start utilizing that. But we're uh, we're excited for a new season. And uh, Thursday through through Sundays, and that'll be it. Tasty barbecue, live fire. Beautiful. And not only that, but you join us once again for Rock Your Block. Wednesday, May 24th will be the first one we haven't gathered for a Rock Your Block in about three years now. So we'll be looking at each other's ugly mugs at 4 o'clock in the morning. Oh, it's going to be crazy. I hope you guys are bringing pillows. Pillows and bourbon. Pillows and bourbon is what we're going to need. We're Get that need day that. going. Yes, sir. Now, speaking of open fire cooking, I was uh, watching you on Instagram um, talking about charcoal cooking. And a lot of us want to cook over charcoal, but it just seems, I think, for many, too much effort. Uh, I believe, as many do, the, the flavor is totally different uh, than cooking over uh, just gas or propane. Um, but you, there's some real tricks to it. And, and as you say in Instagram, one of the first tricks is getting the proper charcoal. Having good quality charcoal is important. Um, you want to buy charcoal that uh, is 100% uh, hardwood charcoal, no additives, no fillers. Uh, and we're looking for lump charcoal. Uh, lump charcoal gives you a better flavor. It does burn a little bit hotter. Um, so you want charcoal that also has big chunks. But the key to charcoal cooking is patience. And you, you have to have patience to wait for the coals to get to the right temperature. Mm-hmm. So first off, lighting your coals. Don't use starter fluids. You can use some uh, starters that are, and there's a whole bunch of different varieties of them. A charcoal chimney works really, really well. Or get yourself like one of those weed dragons. You'll buy them on like Amazon. And you hook that up. It's a blowtorch or a flamethrower, basically. And it gets things going really, really quickly. But the key is to wait for the charcoal. One is you want the coals to be white hot. So if there's still lots of black coal, you're not ready to start cooking on it. There should be no flame Mm. at the point. So the coals are going to be burning. They're going to be getting white hot, but there's going to be still some flame in there. You've got to wait till the flame subsides. And one little trick is put your hand over the charcoal about six inches above the grill grate. And if you hold it there um, for two seconds, it's hot. So don't put your hand. You can in hold the it charcoal. there for five seconds or more. It's not hot enough. Right. Okay. All right. Right. So, but it's six six inches above the grate, not six inches above the coals. The coals should be about three to four inches below the grill grate. And you want a nice even layer, and you want those coals to be white hot, and they'll just be the ash will start to form on top of all the coals, and there'll be no flame. And this way, when you put your meat on, any of the fats that are going to drip, they'll just start to to spark, and that'll be it. And you'll get a little bit of flame that pops up and then subsides. If you've got big flames going on, you've got it, it's too hot. Um, it's not ready to cook on. Ted, a question from someone who's never used charcoal to barbecue before, but much like uh, you you smoke with different flavors of woods, are there different flavors of charcoal to use as well? Definitely. You can buy, uh, and there's, there's lots of hardwood charcoal that are made from pure maple. 
Um, then you have blends that'll come from different hardwoods, maples, oaks, all kinds of different varieties of woods. There'll be maybe some ash in there or some alder in there. Um, you can get pure oak charcoal. You can get uh, coconut charcoal, olive wood charcoal, all kinds of different charcoals that'll come from around the globe. And they impart uh, the a flavor? Joint, they impart a, a flavor. But oh. what you really want is you want a clean flavor that's coming from that coal. There should be, you know, once it's burning and it's at the right temperature, you're not going to get a lot of aroma coming from it. The flavor of that fire and the smoke is going to add and enhance your your food that whatever you're cooking, whether it's a burger, a hot dog, a steak, uh, or you're going low and slow for a brisket or a pork shoulder. And more importantly, you're not looking for the flavor of lighter fluid. <laughs> right. No, you don't want that. And you right. don't, you know, you don't take things like napkins and scrunched up papers and throw them in there and just because you think you can burn it off. That that affects the, the flavor. The, the key to, to, you have to consider charcoal as an ingredient, as part mm. of your recipe. Mm. And so if you're you're buying a really great expensive steak, um, using poor quality coal is going to make your steak taste uh, not as good as it could. Now, so Ted, now I have a charcoal uh, chimney to get my uh, grill going when I'm cooking with charcoal, and I just use a store-bought the uh, charcoal, um, I, I don't know, pressed paper or whatever they are, that you put like as yeah. a uh, triangle underneath them and spark them and let it go. But the one thing I do struggle with with charcoal is it seems to cool too quickly. A lot of times I'm trying to cook something. Now, uh, at what point can we start throwing in more charcoal? And uh, will the new charcoal just fire off of the old hot stuff? Okay, so that's a very good question. Uh, once your coals are hot and you start to cook, and if you're doing a longer cook, like hot and fast, a steak, you can have a steak on and off and done in under 12 minutes, right? Yep. And, um, and and even faster if you like a blue rare or rare. But if you want to do a longer cook and you're you're doing you know bigger cuts of meat on it, is that you never add you you add cold charcoal, right? Mm -hmm. But you only add chunks at a time. Okay. So you put that around, and so that it starts to burn, and so you're continually adding coal in. You're not just dumping a whole bag full on top because now you're cooling your charcoal down and you got to wait for it to refire. That makes sense. So just as it's burning, and once you get to that top level and you're ready to start cooking, take a few chunks and just scatter it around the outside edges, mm -hmm. and then you can move it in and out and as you need Perfect. and add a little bit more. But you add small amounts of coal a piece at a time or two or three pieces at a time so that you keep your fire going, but you're just adding more fuel to that fire. Oh, that's, that's perfect. Yeah, I'm going to remember that for next time. And one last quick question, because my grill is half charcoal, half gas, I guess I could, like, cook steaks over the charcoal, say, and then finish them over the gas for the, uh, like, if you wanted to do the reverse sear. Well, you can, yeah. But if you're start, if you're working with coal, just go all the way. Okay. Right. You can still do indirect with the coal. Have the coal right. on the one side and your steak on the other side. The lid closed. You get that that smoke, but you don't want to have the charcoal at you know at five six hundred degrees for the reverse sear. You want that coal down at at two hundred and fifty degrees. So you do use a smaller amount of coal. And then you smoke your steak, you bring it up to the temperature, you get it to about an internal temperature of 115 degrees if it's a nice two-inch thick, let's say, New York, and a strip steak. Mm -hmm. And then once you get that internal, 
you get the you add more coals, you bring it up, and then you finish it with a reverse sear, which is a hot and fast sear that'll take it up to let's say 130 degrees, and you're perfect for medium Beautiful. rare to rare in that area. Well, this is the week to get it going, and this is the week to go see Ted Reader as he reopens the joint for another summer. That's going to be excellent. People want to talk to you about the joint, reserving a seat, or talk to you about grilling in general. How do they get a hold of you, Ted? You're going to find me at uh, Ted Grills on the social media world. Rock Mornings with With Craig Craig Venn and Lucky. Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.